and welcome on in. Enzwell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. You're welcome on in indeed. It's a privilege and pleasure as always to be in your ears for this episode. And right at the top of the hour, I'd like to dedicate this episode to two very special people for two very different reasons. I want to remember a very special lady, Anne Gray, who is of course grandmother to the wonderful Chloe Gabriel, who is one of our up-and-coming superstar boxers in Ireland. She's mum to Alison, she's mum-in-law to Levi, and she's a mum and nan. And by all accounts and from everything I've seen online, she is a super, super, super larger-than-life character. And she sadly passed away. She left us and uh, was buried on Monday. So I want to remember Anne today in this episode. And also, I want to uh, shout out to little baby Billy Poland, who was born in a hurry. She arrived seven weeks premature and had everybody worried down at Mount Melick. Uh, her mum and dad are good friends of my best pal, Fino. And I want to give them a shout out and congratulations to you guys. And uh, little baby Billy is uh, absolutely flying. So two very different occasions, but very, very, very important to shout them out. And as good a reason as any to open a, to raise a drink to both of Anne and baby Billy. And joining me on this episode... I'm absolutely delighted to welcome back my old pal, one of our very first guests from way back when, BUI Celtic lightweight champion, Victor Abbey. But like to a, a low quality fighter, and I go in unprepared, and then I lose, I'd be very pissed off about that. But if I'm in the shape of my life, and I'm going in against a, a very good guy, a, a decent opponent, and then something happens, you know, I could win 10 rounds, so I get myself the last one. Frustrating, but that's boxing. And making his first appearance on Enswell Boxing is the intermediate champion, the 60 kilo champion, Brandon McCarthy. I would have had more pressure on me when I was younger because I was after winning a few on the way up, like, you know, I won most of them on the way up. Then coming into Elite, like, there wasn't much pressure because I'm stepping up a level, like, you know, like some people haven't done it on their first time, so I didn't feel that much pressure. Getting straight into the shout outs, I'd like to thank, I'd say a huge, huge thanks to everybody who's been listening and downloading and sharing and receiving and getting in touch with your comments over the last while. It's 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 really special. It's brilliant. It's great. And uh, I'm delighted that, especially the response is still coming to Roy's episode, two, three episodes ago. It's brilliant. And to see them all been in touch with Roy and Roy back and forth, it just goes to show my man, I said it to you from the get-go, the popularity and the love is still there. So we'll get the physicality side of things right and we'll get the medical clearance and there's nothing to stop it. Nothing at all. So thanks to everybody that's been in touch. And to Dennis Hogan's episode last week, another huge reaction. International as well. So things are on the up for Enswell Boxing. And I just got to say thanks so much to everybody who is doing what they can do to help get it out there. It means the world to me. And you know that. want to start the shout outs with a special word to Amanda. To uh, Mr. Reliable Dean Byrne. And of course, thanks to Eric Donovan, who are all in touch early in the week and have been on and off throughout the week as each 
episode comes and goes. To Leanne Murphy, Nicole Hayes, the, the Lee side ladies have been in touch with lovely messages and thankful as well to you girls and love seeing the pictures of young Har- little Harley who is uh, anyone who wants to see the most adorable boxing dog in Ireland get along and have a look at Nicole's new arrival baby Harley puppy Harley shall we call her and uh, wonderful to see you've got your soulmate there girl uh, Rachel Charles all the way across in LA thank you very much a lovely message from Rachel earlier on in the week means the world Nick Noonan in Oz always 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 love hearing from you my friend and Chris Viva La Vegan in Newbridge my goodness my goodness he shared something for me during the week with a compliment that just uh, blew me socks off and thanks for that Chris really appreciate it get a look in the show notes for this week everything that's come out in this last few weeks and months proves to us how important our immune system is Chris is the man to fuel that immune system have a look at the links in this note in the show notes below you will see this is the guy he does all the healthy foods he does all the home produce and he does it for little or nothing. Get in touch with Chris Viva La Vegan. Thank you, my friend. Desi O'Driscoll in Bali. Love seeing your new arrivals too. You're all getting broody on me, guys, with your new pups and your new dogs' arrivals. Sarah McCoy, Owen Lavin, Bobby Main, and everybody else that's been in touch. Uh, if I've left anybody out, kick my ass. Get in touch with me. Endswellpod at protonmail.com. Thank you very, very much, everybody that has. Now, if you've been living under a rock, or you've been on one of those shooting stars that I was absolutely mesmerised by on Wednesday night looking up at the sky like a on Tuesday night looking up at the sky like a fruit loop like a, a crazy guy with a couple of beers in me and uh, it was my friend down in Port Lee shout out to Carl Lawless said post on Facebook so have a look and I went out to have a look and the stars were moving satellites were moving everywhere crazy anyway if you've been living up there or living under a rock or living in a cave somewhere you may not have heard COVID-19 but I don't like mentioning it too much here. We let, we delve into it a little bit. We pour a little bit of fun on it. And we try to tiptoe around it because there's enough of it going around. But I made it my business not to obsess and not to base the, the majority of the content on this podcast about it. This week, though, I put my Farmer Brown Logic hat to work. And I wanted to see how the countries around, directly around China, were being affected, being afflicted, being infected, shall we say. Surely they were going to be devastated, right? Surely they were going to be just ravaged by COVID-19, yeah? Mm, not so, not so. Uh, I was shocked, to be honest with you, stunned. Now, bear in mind, when I did these scribbles out, okay, a couple of, probably a week ago now, so they've probably increased and, and have increased. But the countries who have a direct border with China, Afghanistan had seven deaths. India had 111 cases. Kazakhstan, six Hong Kong had six. It has since increased to 1,030 cases with four four deaths. Shanghai, four. Four. You think of the population of Shanghai. Okay? And you put that into context and you go out into the Caribbean, a little island in the middle of nowhere, 148 cases. Eight deaths. Now, figures like that don't stack up for me. I'm not saying what it is. I'm not saying what it isn't. I don't know. I genuinely do not know. You look at New Zealand, had one case of it for a long time. It's since increased to 13 deaths, 1,500 cases. It's horrific by any measure. By any stretch of the imagination, COVID-19 will be written to the history books as a plague, as a terrifying, whatever way you want to look at it. Ireland has 16,000 cases, 730 deaths, and the median age is 
they're about 87. Now, I want to be very cautious here on saying what I'm saying, because uh, that's what I want to be. Irish government, we're going to give them credit. I'm going to give them a massive amount of credit here, and I'm not a political fan at all. Well, I'm not a political in any way, shape, or form. I don't like it. I believe politicians, religions, and a few other things have caused quite more trouble in this country than they are worth. But they did well. They've dealt with it extremely well. We locked down when we needed a lockdown. At least May 5th lockdown, however, testing and hard it has been for me, you and everybody else that have been decent enough to do it and follow the instructions. It's working. It's working. Certain parties are using, certain political parties are using the crisis to gain ground for themselves, to build traction. But without being an Indian giver, and, and, and work with me on this. I'm going to give a bit of credit with one hand and I'm going to take it back in another hand because I asked the question and I don't have the answer but I asked the question if they can deal so capably in this situation why then have they been so neglectful in the last few years? And the question that really probably will get me in trouble is if COVID-19 wasn't so random if it didn't affect everybody anybody or everyone in between, the space between the notes, if it was purely homeless people that were dying from COVID-19 or suffering from it, would there have been the same reaction? Would there have been the same reaction? I'm not so sure. In fact, I'm fairly sure that the answer wouldn't be yes. (laughs) I'm tiptoeing around a topic here that will probably get me in trouble. I'm probably going to get some messages because... There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of anger out there. Where's the anger? What's going on, people? There's a lot of anger. But I don't care. They're my thoughts. I believe that COVID-19 has been so random. It's so sporadic. It's so impossible to tell where it's going to strike and who it's going to strike next. I believe they've got to grips with the virus itself. They know now how to stop the spread. It needs a host to live. So we're dealing with that. The epidemic now is in our nursing homes. It's in our hospitals. And let's do all we can do. All we can do. And if all you can do is a thought, is a round of applause at 8 o'clock, if it's put a candle in your window, if it's put a message on your Facebook, if it's do something, then do it. Because it's times like these. And the one thing Irish people have been famed for over the years is rallying together when we're needed. Okay, there's a lot of cliches, there's a lot of misnomers, there's a lot of old wives' tales about Ireland this and the land of a million welcomes. Let's start showing some of them, okay? And if it doesn't always have to be in monetary terms, it doesn't always have to be material terms. Sometimes it's emotion, it's will, it's gestures. And this same self-serving government over the last few years have sold out to so many and looked after the landlords, they've looked after the conglomerates, they've looked after the multinationals. Well, for once, let's get those home fires burning and let's keep them burning. And let's get back to being Irish. Look at the news and what's been going on around the boxing globe. Get to the Devin Haney controversy in a few minutes. Uh, Going to have a chat about that. It's, 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 it's a lot of things. So yeah, we'll come to that. We'll, call, we'll keep that one on ice for the time being. Sporting World, of course, last week mourned the loss of Big Norman Hunter, who played over 540 times for a quite fantastic Leeds United side. Let's get this straight. Leeds United set the bar. They dominated English club football long before Man United, long before Liverpool. They're a dynasty. They were a 
they were a household name of in the 60s and 70s. They were a fantastic side. They were able to mix the sublime with the ridiculous and with the not so pretty to watch. They were able to mix it whatever way they needed to do it and they did it in style. He was the keystone at the, at the back beside big Jack Charlton at times and he was also part of the England World Cup squad that won the World Cup, of course, the Jules Rimenet Trophy in 1966. Didn't feature so much in that England squad because, of course, of a certain Mr. Bobby Moore. And he died recently at the age of 76. And uh, it's very, very sad and sorry to see another one of true sports legends pass away. So I uh, just wanted to mark, and not boxing, I know, but the world, sporting world in general needs to pay their respects. Uh, not care much about, don't really care a whole lot about Canelo or Khan until there's something to say about them. Say nothing until you hear more. Kayla Plant and Danny Jacob have been jockeying for relevance in with the social media charts over the last while. Plant claims that Jacob isn't an elite A-class fighter. Uh, Plant, of course, holds the IBF super middleweight title. He might have a point. I don't know, does he? And and it's one that I put out there on my social media. Uh, Danny Jacobs is as honest as the day is long. He's as tough. He has all the goods. He's a class act. Does he have the pay-per-view goods who knows who knows but it's certainly heating up a little bit there and maybe those two need to be let off the leash in the same ring some night and see how it pans out for them previous guest on Enswell Boxing and heavyweight legend Jerry Cooney opened a can of worms the other day and uh, probably right so he claims that Eddie Hearn has used Dillian White and made some valid points in relation to how Matchroom Boss had used Dillian to, to test other fighters and possibly steer them away from AJ when needed to be. Jerry gave a really, really good in-depth interview on IFL TV and I'm not going to go into all of it here now. I must get in touch with Jerry again. Now would be a great time to have him back. But listen to what the big man had to say. He, 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 he really didn't just touch the surface on it. He went deep and he talked at how and he made some valid points and I believe the same. I believe there's a couple of fighters in the matchroom stable. Not to pour hate on anybody. I mean, Eddie Hearn does a phenomenal job. Phenomenal job. But I believe the likes of Callum Smith, Dillian White careers have been stagnated a little bit under matchroom as a result of maybe keeping their eye on elsewhere. Uh, other news, Eddie Reynoso has welcomed the prospect of training former heavyweight champion Andy Ruiz Jr., did mention here a few weeks ago from James Dominguez. Shout out to James and Kelly Pavlik from their own podcast that James had the news about a month ago before it became widely known that the Reynosos would team up as part of this new look heavyweight outfit. So shout out to James and Kelly there. I must actually get in touch with the guys again. There's another one. I'm taking boxes here as we go along. There's lots of speculation on Josh Warrington. Last but not least, there's a lot of speculation on Josh Warrington. Who's next? Where? When? How? And I can tell you this, speculation, someone's right, someone's wrong, because I can tell you, my old pal, my text buddy, Sean O'Hagan, of course, coach, dad, to Josh Warrington, the world featherweight champion, has told me who it is. I know who it is, and I know, but I'm not saying a word, because I'm just not saying a word, sworn to secrecy. My lips are sealed, but it will be out in due course, and it'll be interesting. Let's just leave it at that. Brandon McCarty is a name most casual fans might not have heard of. Fans of the amateur game in Ireland know all about Brandon. He's a phenomenal fighter. He's a special character. He's as level-headed, down-to-earth, not very outspoken. But let me tell you, when the bell goes and he's in that opposite corner, 
15 times Irish champion at different levels all the way up along, including including the Intermediate Championship in 2019. And he went a couple of weeks later and added the 60 kilo elite Irish senior title to his trophy cabinet. He joined me on sunny Sunday afternoon to have a chat and talk about all of that and more. Was it 2000, November 2019? It seems longer ago now, to be honest with you. It was run of the mill probably for a lad like yourself. You had 15 Irish titles, I think I'm right in saying, going into that one. Or was it 14, sorry, uh, going into that? I had 14, yeah, going into it. Yeah, so so you so the it was a huge final too. It was one one of the ones apart from Regan and Jude. Yeah. Jude, it was the one that everybody was kind of looking at yourself and Barry McReynolds, which could have gone either way. But it went your way, and it made your fifteen title. And it's probably a silly question, but but how did that one feel for you? Uh, take away the other fourteen I had, and I just had that title. I'd be happy, with, you know, it made way more than the rest of them ever have. And did it bring any more pressure? Did it bring any more, or was it? With, with a fella like yourself who and we're not being big headed we're not being anything and people that are in the game know what I say when it, it becomes part of elite training and high performance training is repeating it over and over again every time you perform so is it a case of that or is it impossible not to let the outside in when you're going into that first one to be honest I, I would have had more pressure on me when I was younger because I was after winning a few on the way up like you know I won most of them on the way up then coming into elite like, there wasn't much pressure because I'm stepping up a level, like, you know, like, some people haven't done it on their first time, so I didn't feel that much pressure. Really. And, you were, and you were already after bagging your intermediate title two weeks before, so it was it was a hell of a, it was a hell of a run for you, to be honest. Did it take long for it to sink in? It took a few weeks, and yeah, like, <laughs> even sitting back home with my father and chatting about it, like, we still, still in for a while, like, of what we've done, like. It was a breakthrough year in the sense that Evelyn Agaro, Jude, and a certain little lady there herself, Dana, Amongst others, yeah. came through to clinch your elite seniors in your first year stepping up. That that was a pretty special senior championships, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. No, because to be honest, we went away. The four or five of us that won the younger age, we've all been away together at underage tournaments, and then to see us all step up the one year and all take home the titles like in one year was amazing for us. Yeah, it was amazing. There's a lot of years that we look at in the Irish amateur boxing, and we look back and we say that year this happened and this year that happened. I think this, 2019 will be the year when we look and say that was the year the young guns broke through. Just a word of warning for anyone that's not familiar, it ain't stopping there because there's a whole lot more coming behind. Nah, <laughs> serious. And yeah. they're going to push you and they're going to push Dana and they're going to push Evelyn and they're going to push everybody. They're going to push you all the way. It's a, it's a special crop that's coming, isn't it? Ah, it's serious now, but that's what you want. Like, you know, you want to be pushed by the younger years coming up and it brings more talent into the country. Like, you know, more medals then. Something Roy always talked about and something Eric talks about and a lot of lads of that era, um, the likes of uh, Adam Nolan, the likes of Kenneth Egan, the likes of uh, John John Nevin, the, the elite title was the title. It was the pinnacle of the year. It was the big deal. It's lost this little bit of a shine over the last few years. I get the impression with you guys coming through with this young crop, that's going to change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know, you know the way the selection process is now at the minute. It's not the greatest leap, but... The way it used to be, the way I remember looking back onto it anyway, when I used to go to the elite finals and that, is whoever won in the elite finals that night, you're more likely you would see them at Olympic Games. You know, they'd be the people you look up to, but I don't know, nowadays it's just, it's all different. Well, that's for the higher-ups to sort out, Brandon, for you lads, in fairness, exactly, and you yeah. girls, it's, it's the hunger is there. And, and, and again, 
I have to be fair here. I don't believe that, by and large, I don't believe any of the fighters want to be in these positions. I believe the fighters we have here, whether they compete or whether they don't compete, whether they're whatever the case may be, I believe if it's put to them and the choices, they will all fight each other every day of the week and then they'll fight twice on a Sunday probably as well. It's Exactly, it's, yeah. It's time the politics got cleaned up, sorted out. The suits take a step back and let the boys and girls that do what they do best, let them let them shine. Yeah, uh, that's what you'd want in a perfect world now, Alan, but I don't think that's not a perfect world we're in. We we don't even want perfect, Brandon. We just want we just want a little bit of a... Fair. Yeah, there's the word. There's the word, yeah. fair. And again, anyone that hasn't listened to the last episodes, I'll put, the, I'll put a link to it in this uh, notes today, but a fellow I had on a couple of weeks ago, Roy Sheen, box for St. Michael's under Dom and the coaches down there. Phenomenal, phenomenal club with a tradition of producing... Irish champions that hand over fist, you know, they were coming 19 titles, I believe, in one year. It was it was something special, something really special. How aware of that are you, lads? Because you've got yourself now, you're part of this new breed yourself, you've got the likes of Mike's, you've got a couple of others coming. How how important is that to you, lads, when you're going through your preparations? It's very important because even if you be training in the club, you know, there's all posters up on the wall of the past and the titles the club has won. Like, you know, really, you want to try to keep the club's name up there, you know, you're pushing yourself every day just to make sure we're up there with the best of them as well in the club. They set the bar. They set a, a very high bar. And the competition is on now to reset it. Yeah, exactly. And I wouldn't be betting against it. And they wouldn't bet against it because that's what they'd want. You know, they're true champions uh-huh. like yourselves. Tell me a little bit about the season. Again, because there's a lot of people listening now lately that, that haven't normally been listening because of the chaos that's going on. I'm not complaining. It's great. Um, yeah, but it is, yeah. For people like... For people that have been new to the sport, people that wouldn't be familiar, talk to me a little bit about the last couple of months of 2019 for yourself, for the likes of Dana, and for anybody to be competing in, say, intermediate and then go on to senior. It's busy. Yeah, it was a, it was a very busy note, to be honest with you. It, just, it came up out of nowhere, really, because we did have under-18s earlier on in the year and then Europeans. Then it kind of took took a few weeks off, and then this just all came up out of nowhere, intermediates, elites, so... To be honest, it kind of suited that the intermediates and the elites were together because you didn't have to take a break. You know, after winning the intermediates, you just kept the training up, kept the running up, kept the sparring up, and the fights and the intermediates then got was ready for the for the elites. The Europeans were early in the year, and this is again to explain the elites would have been earlier on. I think it was when I chatted the day, and I think it was last June, and they had just come. I think they had just come back, or they were just going. I think they were just going, and then they came back, and then it was almost like a a drop-off for a little while. And that's tough for you guys, isn't it? To pick yourselves up and, and peak again. Yeah, it is. Because you're trying to peak twice or three times in the one year. It's, it's tough going, you know. You're up and down and you're up and down the whole time. But we managed anyway, so... Didn't it turn out. It didn't turn... Where you're sitting right now, there's not too many rooms in Ireland where you can sit and there's four Irish titles from the one year or five. That's not bad going for one year, is it? No, Jesus, no. It's great going, so it is. And was the plan, Brandon, always to go... Elite, was it always to go, was it always intermediate elite, or was it just kind of one fight at a time, see how it panned out? To be honest, some people I know now, they just, they skipped intermediates now, to be honest, they just rather go for the elites, but like, talking with Dom and talking with my father and that, we said, sure, why not, and get the extra few fights in, you know, get an extra title at the end of the day. So that would have been would have been always the plan, yeah. And talk to me then about training under Dom, because he's, he's, uh, he's something of a, and I don't use words here, I like to use less as more but uh, the word legend gets thrown around this, this gets thrown around social media too often but it's fair to say as a coach and st- as coaches go and in coaching terms he's he has legendary status from from the lads he's produced he's up there with the with the top in the country 
How is he to train under? Is he is he softening his age at all? Ah, uh, no, he's not. No, he if you kick down the back of the head if you aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> and you give him as hard a time because Eric and Roy have been on here with me telling me they broke his fucking heart. They made his life a misery at times. Do you, are you a little uh, bit easier to manage, or do you give him as much trouble? I uh, know. I think I'm a bit easier now. To be honest, I don't. <laughs> so far, anyway. But he doesn't have to be following you around to go sparring or anywhere else. He doesn't have to find you. No, him. no, no. See, I, I, I don't actually live in a tie, so he, he can't call down to my door and look for me. Like. <laughs> well, let's hope that he doesn't have to start because I still, yeah, I no, still yeah. reckon those those real good coaches that are around that long, they have a knack of finding you no matter where he's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that, Brandon. You're not based in a tie. You're from Kilkenny, is that right? Yeah, I'm from Kilkenny, yeah. It's a kind of, I live on the border, but it's, it's Kilkenny, but I'm on the border, Kilkenny, Leash, Carlo, kind of, so it's so only about 25 minutes away from me. And how did that come about? I used to box out of a different club. I used to box out of uh, Tolerton, just over the road from me. I boxed there since when I was six, and then we used to go to a tie sparring coming up to by one when I was uh, coming up to 11. Me and my father, because my father's my coach, like, we sat down, we talked about it, and the club that I was in, it just it just didn't suit like no disrespect or anything, but it just a tie was the club at the time, you know, producing champions left, right, and centre. So that's when we took the change and we went there. Again, to explain to people that might be familiar, people will think football and they'll think in terms of clubs and transfers. It doesn't work like that. You see it in the likes of Holy Trinity and the likes of the bigger clubs as well. You learn your basics at boy up as far as boy one, boy two, and then you, it's almost like a finishing school. So you move ahead then and you progress yourself. It's not a slight. It's not a. It's not a disrespect thing. It's it's no, all done above board. It's all about just improving yourself. Like, you know, it's just about you. They, they don't find it disrespectful to like some clubs like that, you know. It's all about how it's done, isn't it? It's, if it's done, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's just a system, like. Yeah. I wanted to give a mention as well, because it was a special sort of a final. Your opponent in the final, in the elite final, it was, it was, I would have called it wrong. I would have called it 10 times and called it wrong 10 times. It was, that's, that's the way I saw it. It was always going to be tight. You had two different, you like to move, you like to cut the ring off. Barry, in fairness to him, he he hits like a mule. Um, <laughs> I've seen him sparring, I've oh, seen him training. Um, but your teammates as well, apart from anything else. Now, I spoke to Roy um, about the awkward years when himself and Johnny Joyce, but Eric fought Davy Oliver. Yeah. You weren't from the same club, but you had travelled in the same year. You travelled to Europeans. How does that fare out for fellas when it comes to the to such a big event? Is there any way? Is it awkward? Or do you just manage to park it and get ahead with it? Ah, no, it's not awkward, like, me and Barry have been away a few times together, like, but we're friends outside the ring, but the minute that first bell goes in the first ring, you're enemies, like, you know, and then when the last bell rings, you're friends again, no matter what happens, like, you know, yeah. I've boxed loads of people now I've been away with, and that's that's just the way it is. And and no doubt due to meet each other numerous times over the coming years in championships as well. Ah, probably two of the biggest rivals now, we'd be rivals, I'd say, for... Another good time coming, anyway. And tell me this, in the build-up to it and, and subsequently afterwards and everything else, is there messaging backwards and forwards? Is there jibing each other? Is there crack winding each other up? Or does it go quiet in the run-up to it? Ah, uh, no, not really. In the run-up now, I, I wouldn't really talk to him, like, you know, but after, like, have a quick chat there, you know, well done, whatever. Usual, like, but... Nah, I wouldn't really be into that now, myself. Yeah, it's a beautiful sight. It's, it's so brutal and so hard and so testing at times, but the rivalries, friendships that are made for life. It, it's its its the beautiful side of this game, isn't it? And of course, for yourself, there's a very special friendship and, there, and we can't not give the diamond herself a mention. Clinched a couple of titles herself last year, captained the Irish team all the way through. 
is there competition between the parties for titles? Is there training? What way does that work when yourself and Dan are fighting or preparing? Do you have to keep away? How does it go? Uh, no, yes, we don't keep away. Yes, we do the opposite. You know, we train, we push each other when we're training. We're always, we like, we do, we do compete against each other, but that's what pushes us on more and makes us better, like. And tell me this much, when things do go, or when one has a bad day or doesn't have a bad day, when, when your, is your bad day worse than her bad day? Uh, no, her her worst day is worse than mine now. <laughs> I just take it on the chin and move on. Like. Well, she told me here herself, and, may, and and I don't mind saying it, but she told me herself that when she's captain and she's away and the girls are messing and having to crack, I asked her always, and she said she's a bit grumpy. She said she likes them to cop on, and she doesn't when it's coming to fights and stuff like that. So you're not telling me anything I didn't know already. But and I'm saying this with a smile. I'm saying this with a smile and my tongue in my cheek. And I know if she was anywhere near, you'd probably get a slap around the fucking back of the head for for saying it. But uh, he's <laughs> she's right here beside me. <laughs> Dana, how are you getting on? You keeping well? I'm good. How are you? I'm being bowled here. You're keeping well? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just training along with Brandon. Like that's it. And he tells me his bad. He tells me your bad days are worse than his. Is that true? Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, you had told me that anyways as well. So listen, yeah, yeah. it's um, it was a special year for the two years. I got to you just after the last one, but uh. Look, 2020 was was shaping up to be another special one for the Perrys, but um, yeah. it's probably just on hold. Keep it on ice. Keep the heads right, because yeah. the, the most important thing, especially especially for us lads, Brandon, we have to keep the top part right. The girls are able to manage three or four or five things at once. Us lads are, are simpler creatures yeah, yeah. altogether. <laughs> Brilliant to chat to you both. I love looking at the pictures. I love looking at the dynamic, and I always wonder... Is there a little bit of rivalry because you're you're at the sharp end, you're at the you're at the tip of the spear when it comes to contesting, and it brings its own pressure with it. But the pressure never seems to show with you. Uh, you yeah, it doesn't show, but it, it doesn't there already. You just hide it well. Hide it well, yeah. We're used to hiding it. Well, listen, before I let you go, give us a few tips and a few bits of advice on how people can keep themselves occupied, even if you're not a boxer. Yeah, um, keep your usual lifestyle up. I think anyway. I think exercise is important because for me, it passes the day. Doing, doing lockdown here anyway and getting out and about out and about is right pearls of wisdom there from a preposterously talented young man Brandon McCarthy thanks for your time Brandon and uh, delighted to finally catch up with you and get you onto the podcast it's been a it's been a while coming and a special shout out and a special thanks to the little cameo appearance by the diamond Dana Morehouse herself always brilliant to hear from you both I get a lot of messages over the last couple of weeks asking me about the music and it's always great to give a shout out to the guys that that allow me use their music and use their tracks so of course the entrance the intro and the outro is by King Modo the Newbridge band Newbridge based band formed and backboned by Lenny Cahill and Robert Kyo so shout out of course as always to the lads you'll catch them on iTunes King Modo you'll find and the guitar filler that you've heard over the last few weeks that I've settled on is a brother, would you believe, the older brother of Lenny, uh, Colm Cahill is his name, is an absolute genius guitarist and I've had, the man, I've had many, many, many great sessions and the privilege of gigs and indeed parties as well where we's, we've, we've, yeah, we've had some great parties and that's Collie's version of the Spider-Man theme by Post Malone, Sunflower. And a very special shout out, it's just come to my attention as I'm in the throes of recording this episode, Lethal Larry Fryer's and Katrina have just, just welcomed their brand new arrival into the world. Baby Bella Rose, little sister for Bobby. Four of them now, happy, safe and healthy. For entertainment this week, what I've been watching and listening to. First and foremost, have a look in the notes below. 
the Empty Pockets podcast, episode one, Vagabonds, Blunts and Hippies. It's done by a great fella, a super creative dude. Carl has put a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of thought into getting this podcast up and running and it's going to promote, highlight, interview and play with a lot of local bands around the country and indeed around the place. So click the link, leave him a nice review. Again, listen to Paddy Barnes, the Paddy cast. He had Darren Till on in his previous episode, so I'll stick the link for that in this notes. And one for all Irish boxing fans to look out for this week, the top, top Irish boxing journalist, Kevin Byrne. And let me say this with a little footnote. Over the years, if it weren't for Kevin Byrne, and if it weren't for Jerry Callan, Irish fight fans in this country would have struggled to keep up with what was going on. So it's a massive shout-out and applauds to that man. And to Jerry, of course, who is recovering well, I believe, still in Spain, and, and hopefully we'll have Jerry on really soon. But Kevin has a new podcast coming out soon, and I believe it's called The Rocky Road Rewind. So I'm going to stick the note, for, stick to the link for that in the notes today. Have a listen to it, support it, and uh, watch out for one of our own because Kevin's a great guy, and he's boxed, he supported boxing in this country long, long before it was cool. So and thank you, Kevin, for your message on Tuesday night. Your words were. were a little bit too kind, I think, but I appreciate them nonetheless. In terms of Netflix, what I've been watching, <laughs> I don't know, is it a bad sign when uh, you're running out of stuff to watch? But uh, Innocence Files, I began to watch on Tuesday night. Very good. Again, true crime side of me being satisfied. The Last Dance, any sports fan on this planet needs to watch this Michael Jordan documentary. A phenom, a phenom. And a very, very clear proof and sign that God-given, natural-born talent coupled with an insane work rate that Michael Jordan had is practically, it, it just, it's its awe-inspiring. It's phenomenal to remember how good Michael Jordan was. And like when I watched Paul McGrath a couple of weeks ago, I truly had forgotten just how amazing Michael Jordan was when he played. Just got to watch that documentary. It's so well done. It's really, really, really well done. And another little side note, Man, how well has he aged? Him and Scotty Pippen. Just just timeless. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. And the other one, again, I'm still stuck in, is Money Heist. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. So that's my what to watch for and listen to for the next few days on podcasts and Netflix. Are you iPhone or Android? iPhone. And uh, if you're making a sandwich when you're not training, if you're making a sambo, do you cut them in half or do you cut them in diagonal? I cut it diagonal. <laughs> and, uh, what's your favourite sambo? Maybe uh, salad sandwich. Oh, you're very posh. What's yours, Dana? Ham and cheese toastie. Oh, Jesus. She's a real <laughs> I was going to say a potato sandwich. <laughs> Corn beef and brown sauce as well. There's another one for you. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, on, on a rest day, what do you like to do when you're when you're when you're not training? Um, eat as much as I can. Then <laughs> <laughs> I like to I like to go out there, like and just if the weather's good now, it's nice to be out around and walk around. But other than that, no, just chilling out with dinner. Yeah, something, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to get that in. Come on, man. <laughs> You're in isolation. She'll fucking kill you. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. She's killing me already. <laughs> yeah, will to win or way to win? Will. Will to win. And um, what's your favourite boxing film? Uh, I'd have to be Rocky. 
There's only one, Probably. really, isn't there? Really, yeah. there's only one. Million uh, dollar movie. Yeah. Well, you see, Pat Ryan told me from Port Leash a few years ago. Big shout out to Pat. Um, told me a few years ago when he was talking to me about this girl, and he kept telling me about Alan. Alan, I have the real million dollar baby. I have, do you know Pat? You do from Port Leash. The yeah, real deep voice. Well, yeah. A legend. Another legend. I have yeah. the real million dollar baby. And of course, I was like, yeah, yeah, here we go, Pat. Here we go, here we go. Because Pat loves telling his stories. And he brought me down uh, to see uh, a certain Katie Taylor down in Waterford. And from that day to this, I've been like, you're the man, Pat. <laughs> I'll never yeah. argue with you again. So, <laughs> and I'm not going to argue with you either, Dana. So yeah, super, two super films. Last one for you. Um, who's the best boxer in the world that nobody knows about at the moment? That nobody knows about. Well, or not many know about, anyways. Amateur... Yeah, you can you can choose. I'm not going to say I, because I, I I could get myself in trouble by saying the best Irish one, and then I'd be, and then I'd be in real trouble. So I'll just leave it. Yeah. Whether you're amateur or pro or someone that anyone might not have heard of over the last while. I think uh, Andy Gomez from uh, Cuba. Look at this lad pulling them out. Look at that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> There's one. There's one. Yeah, he's ah uh, he's I don't know. I just he's staying now, and not many. I don't think many people hear of him. Like you know, cause just. Just before I come to Victor Rebay, hard to know what to say about Devin Haney. It seems to be a case of him not knowing what not to say. In normal times, where the world is too busy to care about boxing, his no white boy will ever beat me quote would be stupid. It'd be in poor taste. It'd be arrogant, to be honest. He's 24 and all respectable he's had uh, four good fights in 2019 against undefeated opponents but when you consider the opponent that he was referring to when he made that silly comment ignorant comment was Vasily Lomachenko you stop and you think uh, no sorry Devin you're out of order here son and when you put it into context in the world as it is the boy feels annoyed he feels slighted he believes that he quote-unquote deserves a fight with a great one. But does he? Does he? I'm not so sure. In fact, I'm fairly sure he doesn't deserve a fight with the great one. As I said, he stepped up in his four fights. He's looked good. And then, of course, he got emailed the world's title from the WBC. Who, it also seems, Mauricio Suleiman seems to believe, or, or Devin Haney would lead you to believe, that Mr. Suleiman is entitled to fix all the rights that he had caused with his ignorant, inane comments. Uh, it's a little bit like Ellen DeGeneres clearing the way for... I watched this week the Michael Jordan documentary. I watched recently the Paul McGrath documentary. I've watched someone Paul on Brian Clough. I've watched someone all the great boxers of the past respected the world around in their own code and, of course, across major sports. Is Devin Haney? Is he known across other sports? I'm not going to stand here and say that Devin Haney is not class act, that he is a savage boxer. He is a super, super talent. He is, without a doubt, a talent that possibly could, should and will go on to do great things in the sport. But this, these up-and-coming stars are so obsessed, they're so fixated with copying the likes of Floyd Mayweather, copying Muhammad Ali, copying Conor McGregor. They want to be these people so badly. They lose sight, they lose track and they lose focus. And they come out with these dumb, ridiculous, reckless, arrogant comments. In these times, there's so many things 
me personally in what I'm doing here, I got to be careful. And I want to be careful because I don't want to offend anybody. Now, there are a certain element of society who will take offence no matter what you say. The snowflake generation, well, put your heads in the sand, guys, because the world offends you every time you put your head out. But, but when you've got a profile and when you've got a status and when you are starting to make it in a sport, you have an obligation to act proper and consider your thought, consider what you're saying. Is it the biggest deal in the world? No. Is it acceptable? No. But is he being unique and authentic and original? No. It's more of this wannabe Kardashian. More of this wannabe... Speaking of Kardashian, had a look at an episode of a, of a documentary recently about Taylor Swift, where she went and won an award. Most people probably know this. This was news to me. Won an award not so long ago and stepped up to receive the award and the very unreverent Kanye West decided to have a go at her and brought her skin tone and everything else into it. Now, if that had been the other way around, we would still be listening to it. Um, Because certain factors and certain elements and certain races believe it's okay for them, because of history, to say and do what they like. But it's not okay. It's not okay to be a shithead. It's never okay, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're blue, whether you're green, whether you're Muslim, Martian... Whether you are from Timbuktu, it does not matter. It does not matter. The obligation is on us all to be proper people. There's very little anybody can say or do that will offend or annoy me. Very little. Thankfully, I've got thick skin. (laughs) But, But I've got a guest coming right here and now who I believe would and will firmly put Mr Haney in his place, in his own true unique style. You know, a few people have come up to me and they've said, Tyson, what do you think as an annual heavyweight champion of the world and champion of the world? What do you think of Devin Haney's comments? And I've said the same thing. I think they're disgusting. I think the comments of a bum and a dosser. And I think it shouldn't come down to race, creed, religion or anything else. It's about boxing and it's about the will to win. And that's all it's ever been. That is one Mr. Tony Lapidus, impressionist. He is from Leeds. And I have been in chat with, conversation with him over the last few days since last week's episode. And we will be having lots and lots of fun over the coming episodes with various different characters. You want to get in touch with Tony, you want to hear some more of what he does. He's a fantastic guy, a super, super talent, really, really, really good and fun impressions. Check the notes today. You're going to see his Twitter link. You're going to see his Instagram and you're going to hear a lot more from him here. On ends well boxing. At the turn of the decade, Victor Rabe was sitting pretty. He was after winning his BUI Celtic title. He had defended it and he had just closed the deal on a huge promotion contract with Joe DeGuardia in Star Boxing in New York. He was one of my very he was one of the early guests on Enswell Boxing. He's been on a couple of times. And it's a real pleasure to welcome Vic back to the podcast. Uh, like that's the that's the frustrating part. Is I thought that there there's gonna be a lot of the build up was definitely there, but it's built to nothing. So it's just I don't want to say a waste of time or a waste of energy, but it was it was frustrating. It was, it was like, you know, fighters wanna fight, that's all they train for. And it was it was good buzz, it was good it was good atmosphere. I, I loved that kind of back and forth between me and Jake. 
you know, that gets you up a little bit early in the morning and gets you up in bed early at night as well, so you get your rest. It's great motivation. But then again, once it fades off, it's just empty talk and those, you know, good. What? My year, 2019, was it was a weird one. It's, it's a bit like this one for the first three months. Like, it started off great and then all of a sudden, a lot of drama happened and three fights fell through for me. Uh, so I'm coming up to a year now without being in the ring, which is, is, is crazy for me, you know, at my age and in where I am in my career, I need, to, I need to be busy. And I have, like, at this quarantine came in at the wrong time, as I've, I have right plans for the future. Uh, I'm meant to be in the States regularly now, but obviously this has put a stop to it. I spoke to the promoter and he's saying that he's hoping for August, September, but to be honest, I can't see that happening. The last time we chatted, the, the goal was to win your title, which you did, and then was to defend it a couple of times. You did, once anyways. Uh, well, I suppose the, the counter win in Europa probably wasn't a title fight, but look, it's a fight. You got them under yeah. your belt. So you're ticking those boxes, moving along. Now, this weird and wonderful world of boxing that we live in has kind of, the weird and wonderful of the real world has also started to morph into one right now, and we're finding ourselves where we're at. But standing on your record, you're you're on a run of you're on a run of form. Your stable is, I think it's fair to say, booming. It's growing, it's booming. It's young, it's vibrant, it's dynamic. It has all those beautiful things attached to it. But it also has, as I just said to Ryan, there it has that very real. There's no bullshit about it. There's no blowing bubbles. There's no prima donnas. Not too many, anyways. I'm not going to name names. You you might want to, but um, <laughs> but it's it's about as real and fun as you can get in this crazy boxing world. Is that fair to say? And that's one thing I love about our gym and the lads in it. It's just everyone's professional. We have our laugh outside of the ring and outside of outside of training hours. But when it comes to training, you know, everyone everyone's switched on. And then there'll be days where you go to the gym and you kind of be half hour and then you go in and you see the lads and see it's their fucking buzzing and they want to go. And that gets you kind of, it pushes you on as well. And that's the only thing that I'm lacking now. You know, half of the days and I'm sitting at home in bed and I get out and it's very hard to put yourself through the paces. Whereas if I was in the gym with the boys, that's not even a question. Just get yourself to the gym and the lads will, will help you. But it's, our stable is great, is great. We have new additions at the gym, Key, Christian, Aaron, and they're very high quality lads. They train hard. The sparring is fucking crazy. It's good. Uh, Steve's in the right place as well. He's doing crazy. Ryan's coming up now as well. He's joined the pro rank, so it'd be very nice because Ryan and I have been training for ages. So it'd be it'd be really nice to be in the same camps, kind of from fight to fight or fighting on the same cards. It's all it literally is all clicking together. Uh, we have a minor setback now, but I'm sure that the second that we're going to get into it, we'll we'll pick off where we left off. Nobody, no Stephen would doubt. You know, he's he's a silent. Strong, silent type, very much the man with a plan. It's tough. It is tough, and and boxers are in general, by and large, uh, equipped to deal with this. I can't help believe, and maybe this is the eternal optimist to me, this new normal that we're about to face when all this is over and done with. It makes us realise and appreciate what we've got, doesn't it? Yeah, you know what? I think that, that once this goes over, hopefully sooner rather than later, but fighters are are the, the boxing scene and the fighting scene in general. I think it's going to be booming. In the sense that there's, there's time wasted away from the ring. So people will be pressured to fight and you'll get really tasty fights, I reckon, straight off the bat. 
So that's one great thing. People will start caring about their lose their their O or whatever, and you get more lads that are kind of talking to talk but not doing it. They'll walk it finally eventually. So I think there there'll be loads of great fights as soon as uh, we can get back into the ring. And that's one thing that's keeping me keep me on my toes is knowing that, for example, if let's say the quarantine ends in June. You'll be four weeks into sparring and then hopefully have a fight. So I need to be four weeks into camp when I get, before I get back. If that makes sense. I need to be, I need to be sharp and fit for, for when the doors do open and we can properly train again. But if you're laxy days and you're not doing this and you're putting on the weight, before you know it, they're saying like, right, the lockdown is finished. You can go back, back about your business. And then some people will probably be wasting two, three weeks to get the weight off them. And then they'll be using another two, three weeks before they go sick. And then before you know, you're six, seven weeks into your training before you're properly sparring again. And then four weeks away from that is your fight. So you'll be talking about September, October. But I'd rather kind of be out maybe two, three weeks after this quarantine ends and people get back to normal. So I'll, I'll be keeping fit. Just wait till this all blows over. The O is something that's very precious to some people, but if you're testing yourself and you're pitting yourself against the very best and you're pushing yourself to the max all the time, as much as possible, really and truly at the end of it, there shouldn't be an O, should there? Yeah, absolutely not. Sure, you know, people are falling into this trap of looking at Floyd Mayweather yes. with his 51 and 0 or 50, you know, and they're like, oh, he's doing this, he's doing that, he's looking up. But you look at the likes of Manny Pacquiao and Oscar De La Hoya and a lot of great fighters very successful great fighters and they have five six losses that's that's all right like it happens once you get yeah i'll be very frustrated if if i lose to someone that i shouldn't lose you know to i don't want to say a journeyman or something but like to a a low quality fighter and i go in unprepared and then i lose i'd be very pissed off about that but if i'm in the shape of my life and i'm going in against a a very good guy a, a decent opponent and then something happens, you know, I could win 10 rounds, but I get knocked out the last one. Frustrating, but that's boxing. You know, it's going to happen. I just hope that if I do lose, it's going to be against a very good, a better guy than I am. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it. I, I See, if, if you're worried about losing, you'll always have that kind of doubt in the back of your head. Before fights or going into fights, rather than thinking of the positives and, and the good sides, You'd be thinking about what if I lose? Or what if what what will the people around me think? Should give a fuck. Like at the end of the day, it's you that's putting that work in. It's you that's getting it. Yes. And once you've given everything, there there'll always be people pointing the finger, sitting at a pub having a pint of Guinness and saying like, "Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that." I'm like, all right, well, you do. I I find it difficult not to text a fella after a fight, I, I, win, lose, or draw. Because I think if you win, everybody jumps on it, and then that's when you see them hundreds and hundreds of men everywhere. When they lose, you probably will still get a few, but there'll be the cliches. It'll be like, oh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and all those things. For me, I try to keep it consistent. One of the hardest messages I've sent, and I have to be honest with you, was Tony after he lost it. Just to back up what you said there is, I can know enough about that man, I know about a few of you to know that every one of the boxes that should have been ticked were ticked going into that ring. Does it make it any little bit easier for the fighter to experience? I know you're 8-0, but from being around fellas like that, does it make it any easier for them, or is there still a grieving process almost? Uh, see, I've, I've seen a lot take it well. I've seen a lot take it very bad. Uh, the way I personally do it is, again, now, 
luckily touch wood and lost in a while. So I don't feel it, but it's people do have bad days, you know, and it's just like once someone loses, they they might put on a, a show, not a show, but they might take it on the chin and be like, listen, uh, I did lose, I don't want to talk about it really. It's it, Different people have different ways of getting over things, you know? Some people are, they take it as, I'm one of them. If I lose, I'll get over it quickly because I know it happened, probably shouldn't have happened. I'll look at it and see what could change and then I'll move on for it. But if you carry on that person behind you, it'll, it'll eat away at you, you know? And that's, comes with the mental issues and uh, what your mind does to you could be once you think positive uh, negative negative things happen once you think positive positive things happen but going back to your question uh, but I don't know I don't I honestly don't know you get different, a mix of different uh, kind of it makes it easier uh, but then at the same time you don't really like people kind of bringing it back up to it you know yeah. I've lost I know I've lost fucking leave me alone yeah in a way I think the easiest way to put it is that every single again like styles and everything else every fighter has their own way of dealing with it some are delayed some will grieve it some will kind of take it on the chin as you said because they know it's just one of those things yeah it's, 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 it's life it's like fighting and stuff it, it'd be like imagine you go to a book and you put on a bet on a guarantee bet right that you think that Liverpool are playing I don't know Jesus someone a league one team and you're like fucking I'll, I'll lob 500 quid on it I'll definitely make the money back and all of a sudden, there's, a, there's an upset. Then you'd be fucking raging. You'd be mm. like, well, bollocks, like, that shouldn't have happened. Do you know? Yeah. No, 100%. Well, again, it did happen, so... It does. You get over it. And in some ways, I think that's when it hurt boxes a lot more, is when you go into a fight knowing that you should win, and some things may have not fell into place in the day, and then you lost cause of it. I think that would be the only thing. I think once a boxer gives it his all... And knows that he gave it at all at the end of the, uh, at the end of the night, and he ends up losing. I think it's a very easy process to, to get over. But once you know that there's stuff that you could have done more, I think that will eat away with you for 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 a long time. And yeah. um, I, I think that's the only difficult part. I think once you've given it your all, and like it is what it is. Yeah, in a lot of those cases as well, you're right. It's it's a case of. Um making it then turning it from that negative and that down then to use it to make sure right whatever I did or didn't do I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen again and carry on then so John Cavanaugh has a, a perfect saying you, you win or learn you never really lose it, it's well you do lose on paper but like if you don't learn from it that's your biggest loss it's not that it's, if you lose you, you go back to the drum board and you see why you lost did you give it your everything and if you did give it your everything what else can you do or if you didn't give it everything, why didn't you do give it your all? Like, where you're lacking your fitness, where you're lacking things, you need to kind of put a finger to it and then make sure that next time you're not doing it again. Yeah. And that's how you get better. It's the very, the, the likes of Floyd Mayweather and stuff, you know, he's, he's had the luxury of taking who he wanted to fight and who he didn't want to fight and when he wanted to fight him because of who he was. And, but, like, for now, we, we, we don't have, we don't really have that luxury. We just have to, you know, Get to a certain level, get your kind of your learning fights out of the way, and then you have to take risks. It's boxing. It's, we're here to fight. We're not here to dodge people. And if you're starting to do that, then I don't know what you're training for. It's, it's very difficult to 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 motivate yourself to to train against someone that you should easily beat. You know, when you're going into a fifty-fifty fight, I think training is way easier. You're 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 literally there's a buzz to it every single day. 
on the tough days when you wake up and you don't really want to get up, you're you're like, well, fuck that. Maybe maybe he's up at this time doing stuff. Maybe he's already done stuff. And then it's just before you know you're on your feet and your your runners are on. And you've done five kilometers, you see. So it's it's that's what I'm really looking forward to. It's just get back and get back straight into big fights. Yeah. Maybe have one fight like a six rounder to get the cobwebs off. But I'm I've um have a plan like for the states. I spoke to to Connor and I spoke to to Joe the Guardia. Um, it's looking really bright. Like there will be some tasty fights. For anyone that's not familiar, right? I know it was widely publicised at the time, but it's it's a little bit on from that. Let's just remind everyone. You signed a fantastic deal, just an amazing deal. It's the type of deal that fellas dream of. And let me say this as well, well-deserved and well-earned. It couldn't happen to one of the nicer fellas I've chatted to. And, and I wish you nothing but the best with it. But um, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Of course, it was with, as you said, Joe DeWardia and Star Boxing. But tell us a few of the details of it, if you can. So uh, I signed with, with Joe DeGuardia from Star Boxing. He's, uh, a promoter, he's, he's a promoter in the States and he's had... Uh, geez, I don't know. He's he's in the business for over fifteen years anyway. Promoting shows in New York and Connecticut and that neck of the woods. And uh Connor later got me a deal with 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 Joe uh for three years. So it gives me at least three uh, at least three fights a year for the next three years. But I spoke to Joe and he said he's 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 hoping to get me four or five fights a year there. And uh, I've signed a fight to fight uh Omar Border Junior on the 13th of December of last year. But unfortunately, I freaking I injured myself, so I had to pull out of that fight. And then I, the fight was rescheduled for the 17th of April, which is only a couple of days. It's actually funny enough, it was this Friday that, that Omar and I were meant to be fighting. But then he pulled out of an injury as well. And all of this has happened. And the whole show got cancelled, which worked a treat for me because now I have a different opponent for a fight over 10 rounds for either a WBC, IDF, IBO, uh, uh, international, uh, so a top 15 ranking of the world belt in the States against Anthony uh, Loriano, which he's a 13-0 fighter, but I've watched him fight every single day, and that guy is beautiful, and I think I will do so well against him. So that keeps me on my toes, and I feel really good. But yeah, it's, it's as the situation around pro boxing is kind of it, it was it was on the uprise, but now it's fucking gone to shit. In a way, there's no shows in Ireland. I'm in a shitty position, but I came out of it really well yeah. with this promotional deal from from the states. I believe what you said a few minutes ago. Not just in Ireland, I think the world in general. I think sport is going to be the way to lead us out of this thing. Something's going to need. There's going to be need to be catalysts in life and in the real world. Sport is going to be the way. So we're going to have a lot of fights. The greed and everything else is going to fall away a little bit because lads are going to have to get in there and start earning some corn again and I think this is what I can't but believe that but this deal for you it's a step up it's the step on that you that you had spoken to me about before this was part of the part of the master plan as, as we said that Stephen and yourself and the team would have hoped for regardless of the circumstances would you have seen it coming around this point of your career or maybe a little bit later yeah well again like considering that I was meant to be having I, like I had October 25th fell through for me December 13th um, January 30th, like if everything went to plan, I would have been, I would have been 11 and 0 at the moment, you know? So time-wise, yeah, like fight, like I'm 8 and 0 at the moment, I've been 8 and 0 since last, since last May, like I would have rather had a two more fights. But once you're 11, 12 fights in, like you're, you're expected to take little steps up, you know? 
And I think I'll, I'll learn a lot more from a more experienced guy. Then, like, don't get me wrong, it's a calculated risk. Uh, I've I've looked at the videos and I know it can be like on a. If I'm 100%, that guy doesn't stand a chance. So it's it's a calculated risk, but he's a very good opponent as well, and he has his good qualities. So it's just a matter of kind of you know doing it and getting yeah. in there. But I'm sick of I'm sick of having because I've had three training camps. That's 24 weeks. That's half a year out of out of the year nearly yeah. of of uh, full time training with nothing at the end of it. Yeah. So it's it's very you get discouraged. And then sometimes you get you get a little, little needle, and then before you know, it's like, oh, hang on a second, there's there's another fight around the corner. So you're back in the gym, and then you keep going, and then it's just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, which is so hard. Like people don't understand. Like pro boxing is how I earn a living, mm. and if you don't fight for so long, then you're you're put under pressure financially at the same time. You're looking, you're you're seeing all of these other fruits dangling around you, being like, take a bite. You know, I could, I've opened up a gym and I'm doing kind of fit, keep up fitness classes, which has a lot of potential. Like, I'm giving it a part-time, it's a part-time thing, I don't want to give it my whole time. But that's there, which I can easily kind of force all of my, uh, all of my time towards it. And then it'll be a lot better. And then I can make a steady living off it. But that's not what I want. Mm-hmm. My aim is to, to get in the ring and fight, because that's what I love doing. And I only have hopefully another eight years in the sport, you know? Yeah. So I'd, I'd rather do that now and then put this on back. That's uh, a fair point. That's a that's a brilliant point you make as well. A lot of people, again, I'm not saying everybody, but there's a lot of the casual fans who will take it or leave it fights, probably only tune in maybe for the Olympics, or tune in for the big fights on Sky Sports, and they see pro boxing and they see Rocky, you know, they see the stars, they see the lights, they see the belts, they see the dollars, they see the cars, and they think Floyd... But the real foot, the real boxing fans and the real people will see it. Pro boxing, unless you're in a particular bracket, you're, it's a day to day thing. It's a week to week. It's a slog. It's a camp to camp. It's it's, and you're only getting paid when you fight. The super point there, and it's it's it seems obvious to me, and it seems obvious to you, but it's not so obvious to a lot of people. So I keep saying this: anyone out there that's in a position when the dust settles and everything starts going again. Do something a little bit to help these fellas or girls because it's it means no matter how much how small it seems like whether it's only a few quid or whether it's only a this or you will be amazed the difference it makes to every fighter. Yeah, for sure. The the the, the dark side to it is is cause when you're training, not alone, you're not working, but your your weight like my training fees a month comes up to like six hundred quid. You know that's not that's not putting in food and other things in it. But that's just paying my S and C. That's paying my subs. That's paying the track every time we go to the track. That's paying your one, two physios or, or rubs a month that you're getting in. If that's, that's only that. And then at the end of the day, is, uh, if you're paying, if you're paying your, your, your rent at the end of the month or if you're, if you, you're buying your food or if you're, you're buying your lunch or a coffee or this, you're looking at it more than a thousand euro a month. And if you take eight weeks, that's two months, you're two thousand euro down before you even step into the ring, you know? And at some, some fellas, if they're making two grand a fight, that's your, your, your lucky enough just to, to, you're basically just fighting to survive to keep you in the gym. But the positive it's, side it's of it, listen, very, we're, we're gone very dark here now because this is not like you and it's definitely not like me. So we're, we're not going to look at that side of it for much longer. The beautiful side of this deal that you've got, right? It's a, it's a phenomenal deal. Is it nine fights? Is that what we said? Uh, at least, yeah. 
Yeah, and we're looking at the and the east coast of America is alive. Well, will be alive again. It had come alive for boxing. New York had been kind of the light had gone out in it for a little while, but DeGuardi is at the heart of it again, and he's a name that's just synonymous with him. But there's also the yeah. other side of it as well that people might remember as well that you've got your Moldovan heritage and your Moldovan family and your background and all that. There's be rich veins of of um of the Moldovan communities around dotted around the America. Would the east coast be one of them? Uh, there is a good bit, you know, but it's, it's not huge. I know there's a huge Moldovan population in Chicago, in that neck of the woods. And Joe was, 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 was talking to me and he's saying that it's an avenue we're looking to take, like go into the, and kind of get my name out there. But, uh, I, I, Honest, I don't know. There'll be a good few Russians, but I don't know how. Yeah. <laughs> but listen, if you look at Russia, you look at Ireland, you look at Moldova, and you look at New York, and you look at boxing, and you put all that into a pot, you're coming up with a pretty yeah. special recipe. Your style, your yeah, finesse. You're yeah, you're able to talk. You've got those baby face looks. I laughed as I said to you the other day in the message when I look back at Roy. <laughs> I don't think you're self or brown of age the fucking day. So whatever it is you're doing, keep doing it. <laughs> 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 Unbelievable! The moisturizer. Oh, the moisturizer. Yeah, well, that's what we do. That's what it is. So, shout out to any sponsors out there that want to come on and get Victor on Ravi on his undercover. Um, special fella is Roy. Had a really great episode with him last week. He's he's um he he'd be a great fella to add back into that stable, wouldn't he? Oh my god! It's the thing. Like it, it's phenomenal. I remember when you come? The first time he came to the gym, you would have been very fit, and you, you can see the skill. But that, that that man is so natural at fucking everything. Mm. Even when we went to the track, he first the first go and he shut on that he hasn't fucking done anything in eight months, which I didn't believe. Because he went onto the track and all of a sudden, boom, the man is fucking gone. And then you go into a, to a sparring session and you do six eight rounds easy, and just straight after you go into pads, it's it's just it seems from an outlook, it seems that he got it so. I know he put a lot of effort in, but he's just, everything is effortless for him. And the talent is amazing. It's, it's, he's, he's the last person that dropped me. Before, in 2018, uh, it was five weeks for you know, those, those fucking snap at that stage. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of people love it. Dude. I think it's funny. Because, uh, Steve was going, uh, sorry, Steve. Uh, we was going into last one standing and I was fighting Mark Morris and I think it was 10 maybe 12 days before the fight uh, I was only fighting a four rounder and Steve goes like uh, I was let down by someone someone's meant to come in sparring for my last fight but then all the days just like uh, yeah he couldn't make it so I was like bollocks and then Steve was like oh we just get him with Roy like he's not going to hit you hard. so I was like what the fuck he's, like, he's not like my <laughs> anyway like, I was just fuck I'll do it and then I came, I went in, and just Roy was just gliding on that fucking ring, just dancing as if he was a ballerina. And all of a sudden, there's a jab, and then same hand, boom, left hook to the body. And I felt it, and the anger, I was like, fuck. It was more like, I, I could have probably potentially held it in and kind of walked around, but it hurt, and I dropped, I was like, bollocks. And then, that was it, yeah. Yeah, it's cre- it's, it's amazing Roy. mix, though, you're throwing him in. You're throwing um, Darren O'Neill there now as well. You'll have you'll have Tony there. You'll have a lot more that we some we can't talk about at the moment. Well, won't until we get to go ahead from the boss man. But um, it's 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 definitely one of the, if not the most dynamic and exciting growing gyms in the country. Yeah, it's it's oh, it's fantastic. I'm so happy to be part of the gym. 
Yeah. And to see, you know what? It was in a way like we were having. Uh, it was tough. It was very tough on Stephen because there was only like me, Ryan, Tony, Killian, and a few Craig. Other, was like, it Craig? I think as well. Yeah. Like at the very start when I joined with Steve, like three and a half, close to four years now. Uh, and it was just the three of us or four of us every single day so now when you have Keane Christian Aaron Tiernan uh, Keane or like all the boys Tony Ryan uh, when we're all training at the same time you know that it, it, you can see it on Steve as well he's just a lot more motivated and he's he wants he wants to do good and he's put the effort in He's, he's working with so himself. I don't know if any other coaches are, but he's fucking at the gym once or twice. And he's, he's doing his training every single day just to stay fit for us because he has so many lads to take on the pads or the, when we go on jogs and stuff. It, it's good. The gym is buzzing. Yeah, no, it's buzzing. And, and it's buzzing. buzzing just speaking about it. Yeah, I can hear it. You're after coming to life there now, so at least something good coming from the whole thing as well. But <laughs> I, I'm going to wrap it up with you by saying, right, if we look at this deal, right, with, with the with the Starbucks and the, the, the fights and everything else going equal and as you said it's a calculated risk and we look at lads like James Tennyson who took that calculated risk didn't bounce back from it and showed his true worth Dylan is the same Dylan had a risk didn't work at the beginning now he's back where he was always going to end up It's it, this is what real characters and real tough strong characters turn into but take it as a positive and all things going the way we want expect and, and see them going Rick where is Victor Rebe going to be after say we won't say the end of this deal but certainly coming to the latter stages of it well the deal well I I, I honestly I think that'll be on a world stage so from I'm getting so encouraged when I when speaking with Joe because uh, what he wants to do is he wants to get my name out there and the reason why he was explaining it to me he says like, if you come in stage and you get a big fight and you win like again the odds will you'll try stack the odds in my favour like you come here you win you'll have a fan base and then once you have this, this big fight, we'll, we'll, we'll build you and build you and build you. And then we'll give you another test. And then once you win, it's, it's about taking the right opportunities. You know, there's some chance that come. And if you don't take them before, you know, you're two, three steps behind. But I'm like, that's what I'm training for. I'm training to, to, to get big fights and fucking show up when I, when I have them and be ready. But towards, I think in next six, seven fights. Uh, I'll be in, on the world platform against some big names. Hope. And I don't doubt that for a single second. He's a top fella. Thank you for your time, Victor. Thanks to Brandon, Dana. Thanks to Tony Lapidus for his impression of the Gypsy King. And I promise you, you're going to see and hear a lot more of Tony. Next week's episode, we're going to have another elite champion, Emmett Brennan, and a real, real surprise guest coming too. But that's it for me and them until then. Stay safe. Stay sane, be yourself, be amazing.